is my joy to be the one who gets to say welcome to you today here at Christ's Journey. Um, whether we're here at Coral Gables live or over at our Kendall campus, um, or perhaps you're listening on Christ's Journey Radio or even Church Online, welcome. If we haven't met before, I am Angie Lopez, and um, Ryan said it, I am about to complete my 19th year of ministry here, and um, currently I am serving as, okay. I tried to talk fast so that wouldn't happen. <laughs> um, so currently I lead the worship arts ministry in helping design the weekend experiences and coaching artists in the church. And today was one of those special days where we had parent dedication, where moms and dads come up here and dedicate themselves to following Jesus the best way they know how as they navigate that adventure of parenting. My husband Caleb and I have done this three times. We have three boys, 12, 10, and seven, and I will just testify to the difference that it makes to be connected uh, to the Christ Journey community because we have some of our own adventures as parents of three boys. Some of them ha have happened right here at church, like uh, the time our middle son, AJ, was fooling around in the theater and dad was having a fam jams rehearsal. I was across the hall in another meeting and AJ fell and hit his head on the leg of a chair. He thought he was fine and then he popped up and his head was busted open. So off we went to Miami Children's Hospital and uh, 20 stitches, that was one time. Another time uh, with our youngest, Andy, I was 39 weeks pregnant with Andy and we had finished a staff meeting about lunchtime. And I was walking back to my office and I kept having to lean on the hallway wall for some of the contractions that had begun. You know, no big deal. It was just 39 weeks. And Mark Lesher, executive pastor, Mark Lesher sees me and says, um, uh, do you need me to take you to the hospital? And I say, no, Mark, my last kid was a week late. Um, I'm sure this is fine. I've got stuff to do before I can just go have a baby. Thank you. So I go back to uh, my office and about three hours later, it was around three o'clock. He sees me again and now I'm like groping people holding on. And he makes me get in the car and call the doctor on the way home. So I call the doctor on the way home. Doctor says, this is your third kid, right? So he asked my third kid. He said, all right, I'll see you on the labor floor. No, 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 I have things to do. I have two other boys. I gotta figure out what we're gonna do with. I really don't wanna go all the way to the hospital only to get sent back home. He said, okay, I'll see you on the labor floor. Okay, so I get home, I take a shower because I'm a week early, come on. I take a shower, I blow dry my hair. I put on makeup because if this thing happens, you know, ladies, there's pictures, right? So. <laughs> So Caleb and I finally get to the hospital about 7.30 and that kid was out at 10 o'clock. So thank you, Pastor Mark, for noticing that something wasn't quite right that day. Last story I'll tell, it's about our oldest, Connor. Pastor Bill had a staff family party at his house. And so we were over there. And um, I don't know if you know this about Pastor Bill, but he loves nature. Specifically, he loves to grow orchids on his patio, lots and lots of orchids. And so we're enjoying ourselves on the patio right about the time that I look over and see my two-year-old Connor reach out and pull an orchid off of one of Pastor Bill's plants. He's looking at me with this orchid in his hand. I look at Pastor Bill, I smile. I mean, que pena, right? Like, this is the pastor's plant, but they're still friends. Good thing Pastor Bill loves our family. Uh, this was taken on the Sunset property, actually, not long after the orchid event. So lots of love here felt for my family as a family. And so as a mom, as a fellow mom, as a learning parent, I'm really honored that Pastor Bill has invited me to speak to you today on the subject of love. We are opening a series for the love of God where we're gonna unpack God's love for us and how we might share that love 
with uh, one another. I believe what the Bible says about love. I take it seriously. I take what the Bible says about anything seriously. And Pastor Bill invited me uh, to speak on this because he's recognized, he's seen that I have benefited from the topic that we're gonna be addressing today. Um, I got baptized right up there many years ago now. And I met my husband here. We said our vows right here on this platform. I've received counsel from pastors and leaders here. I do group life. I'm in a ladies group because I love learning with women, but also in a couples group because I want to do that with my husband too. These people love me enough not to leave me the way that I am. And I tell you that so that you know that the influence of God's love on my life through the people of this church was happening long before I was on staff here. But I haven't always sensed God's love. I haven't always felt like he was being very good to me. I'm sure you've experienced some of that too. In fact, even now in my life, I'm not so sure all the time what he is up to, what his plans are. But I have walked with him long enough to know that he has never wasted my pain. He doesn't cause my pain, but when the pain comes, he walks with me through it. And I've lost count of the times that he has made something good out of something bad that's happened. But I don't know that he's been working alone. I think that he's had some help from some people who were praying in my life some prayers, like the prayers my mother prayed between the ages of, let's say, 15 and 25, when teenage girls tried to uh, become young women and make their own choices, or prayers uh, that leaders prayed here, that God would bless a calling on my life, or prayers some of you pray when I make mistakes as a wife, as a mom, or as a friend. So prayer has been an act of love over my life for many years, um, maybe for some of you too. And this is what we're gonna unpack today from one of Paul's letters uh, to Timothy. The title of the message is, What Goes Up Must Come Down. But before we go there, I wanna talk a little bit about the relationship between Paul and Timothy. Many of you know that Paul was Timothy's mentor. And in fact, Paul personally recruited Timothy after he had had a fallout with another young leader. Um, but because, because God does not waste our pain, Paul seemed to have learned something in that process, and we see him treat Timothy more like a son, much softer uh, with Timothy. Now, Timothy isn't bold like Paul. Timothy has more of a timid personality, and, and this was a challenge for him because he was having some leadership issues leading a young church in Ephesus. And so Paul decides he's gonna write Timothy a letter to encourage his spiritual son. And I can imagine Timothy getting that envelope and already feeling a little bit calmed down by holding it in his hand. Well, it's probably a scroll, right? So holding the scroll and he opens up the scroll and he sees Paul's handwriting on the scroll and then he reads, to Timothy, my true son in the faith. Paul loves Timothy like a son. And so he uses the rest of the letter to give him some fatherly advice, but also some practical counsel on his leadership. So that's 1 Timothy. 2 Timothy is somewhat the same, but it's even more personal. 2 Timothy is where we see Paul acknowledge the spiritual impact that his family has had on his life, specifically his Jewish matriarchs. We see in 2 Timothy 1.5, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, this is Paul writing, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. When one of my kids' teachers affirms something that I am doing at home as a mom, I live off of that for days. So thank you God for moms and thank you God for dads and thank you God for Paul's. 
Now, not only is this the last letter that Paul would write to Timothy, it's the last letter he's gonna write to anybody. He's in prison and he knows he's gonna die pretty soon. So 2 Timothy is the letter that Paul rolls into a scroll and then kind of forms into a baton to hand off to Timothy with some leadership advice. So I wonder how careful Timothy might've been with these letters from Paul, especially once Paul wasn't around anymore. Do you guys keep things from people that were special to you because they're not around anymore in a safe place? Um, I brought something. Many of you know my, my dad died when I was 16 and I was cleaning out my closet, I don't know, about six months ago and I came across his Bible. And it was pretty emotional for me to flip through it and see the things that he had underlined or highlighted, a lot of Paul's words actually. Um, so I smiled at some of the stuff and then I wiped a few tears and then I just kind of laughed my head off because this fell out. A Spivak tunes to a different beat. What you're looking at is my 1970s gospel singing daddy in that picture, like disco white suit and everything. The microphone's crazy, yeah. So apparently a local paper uh, did a write-up, not because my dad was a famous gospel singer, he wasn't, <laughs> but my grandfather, his dad, had made a name for himself as a big band leader in the 1940s. So I just want to read you one sentence from this article. This is speaking of my father. The family right now consists of his wife, Roberta, a music education graduate at the University of Miami. But an increase in the family is expected in February. I made the paper. <laughs> yes, I did. But I didn't make the paper um, because of who I was. I made the paper because of who my grandfather was, who my dad was. And now that neither of them are around, I don't want to lose that paper. And I don't want to lose this Bible either. So I'm wondering if Timothy might have felt something like that when he was holding on to these letters from his spiritual father. And remember, Timothy is having a hard time in leadership. He's facing internal challenges, external challenges, culture challenges, and his mentor writes him a letter. And let's look and see what the first step Paul tells him to take in leadership is. This is 1 Timothy chapter 2, starting verse 1. I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Of all the leadership tips Paul could offer to Timothy, what does he say? Pray. And pray for what? Pray for people. All people. Everyone, the text says. And I don't know about you, but everyone feels pretty overwhelming to me. Like, really? I'm supposed to pray for everyone? And if you're a doer in the room, you're thinking, come on, give me something I can really do to make a difference with my leadership. Prayer. And I understand that because that's where I go to. I think, what can Angie do about that? Um, but to pray for everyone? I mean, I can even understand how my prayers make a difference when I take time with specifics, with certain people, because sometimes I see God answer those prayers, but everyone, I'm not big enough. I don't know enough, but then that's why I pray at all, right? I'm not big enough. I don't know enough, but God is big enough and he knows it all. And that's why we pray big prayers for everyone because God is doing something for someone when I pray. 
His promise to his people is that when we pray, he hears from heaven. And it's amazing to think that God would choose to move in response, in part to the response of the prayers of his people. He loves us and he honors us with this. And he's so big that he's working out what happens with that. So we can know that as we send a big prayer up, we don't have to have the details figured out. He knows exactly where the pieces of that prayer need to go. So when we pray for our world, or we pray for all missionaries, or we pray for everyone in harm's way, we can know that God is making sure that the blessings are getting exactly where they need to go, that God is doing something for someone when you pray. So don't get overwhelmed in thinking about praying for everyone and don't avoid it just because you may not be able to see what God is doing with your prayers for everyone. So let's see what Paul says next. It's almost as if Paul was writing this letter and he's thinking, all right, if Timothy doesn't get to the end of this, if he doesn't read the whole thing, I gotta remind him, first of all, he's gotta pray for everyone, even the kings and all those in authority. This is quite the instruction coming from a guy who's been put in prison for his faith. Even so, he tells Timothy, pray for your leaders, especially those in government. And if you're like me, you're thinking, wow, Sounds like this letter could have been written yesterday, right? We pray for people in authority because they have the responsibility to make decisions that affect us and affect those we love. But more importantly, we pray for them because God knows they're in the seat they're in. Romans 13, there is no authority except that which God has established. Whether we agree or disagree isn't the issue. Agreement or disagreement doesn't change anything in itself. Action does. And Paul's first instruction to the church is to pray, to pray for our leaders. You know, this is a different way to lead up. Have you heard that term before, leading up? It's a different way to lead up. Changes the perspective a bit when you realize that you have the attention of the real person in charge when you pray. God is very aware who is in each and every seat of authority across the globe. So let's not leave our leaders out. Um, I know this is difficult too, especially when we don't feel like we're being led well, perhaps, whether it's government or um, our bosses or our parents. Uh, this might not be our first reaction, but it's the right reaction. And we're gonna trust that God is doing something for someone when we pray. All right, so maybe by now you're thinking, okay, I get it, we're supposed to pray. How do I pray? Well, Paul gives us some examples in this text of how we can do that. And the first kind of prayer Paul mentions is requests. This is the kind of prayer where you ask God for something you need, something for you or something for someone else. I mean, if we're praying for everyone, then we're included in this prayer. Um, something like, God, I need a job. It's a request. God, I need to provide for my family. I need my son to come home. I need my mom to be healed. And we receive these kinds of prayers from you on the Connect Card or the Christ Journey app every week. And our prayer team joins you in those requests. Now asking God for something, requests, that's not the only kind of praying, but it certainly is part of it. Because requests give us the opportunity to see that we need something, to admit that we have need, and to trust God to be able to fill it. And we have the promise that God will meet all our needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. When you make a request of God, um, you're given the opportunity to identify who in the conversation is God 
and who is not. You allow yourself to feel your need and trust God to do the things that you cannot do. Next kind of prayer, this is translated as the word prayers. It's just a a broad term for what we would call a conversation with God. These are general needs, prayers that we might always be wanting to have in and through us. We ask the Holy Spirit for uh, kindness, gentleness, forgiveness, goodness, these kinds of things. Um, So when Paul mentions to the Thessalonians, pray continually, this is the kind of thing he's talking about. Now, you may be like me, and you're not naturally inclined to find a quiet place for three hours and talk to the Lord in solitude. For some of you, that is heaven, and I honor you. But for me, I don't work quite that way. I do much better to invite God into my everyday conversation. Um, Holy Spirit, guide me in my decisions today. How would you have me bless somebody today? I don't know who's gonna come into my path. This kind of praying opens a dialogue with the Lord that actually affects your decision-making and helps you to behave in a different way because you're inviting him into that conversation. And who knows, maybe by the end of the day, we do have three hours racked up. By the way, question, am I the only one who prays for parking space sometimes? (laughs) I'm not, okay, good. All right, next prayer, intercession. Paul mentions intercession, um, and these are the prayers that describe what we do, what we say to God on behalf of others. To intercede means literally to act on behalf of someone. And did you know that this is the kind of prayer that Jesus is doing for us right now? Romans 8 says, Christ Jesus is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. He's bringing our needs before our Father in heaven. And we can do that for someone when we pray. Things like, protect my kids from temptation, save their marriage, These are the kind of prayers that we can go before our Father in heaven on behalf of someone else. And what can happen when you pray this way is you might find joy as you watch God answer those prayers and change somebody's life in part because you joined God in the work that he was already doing. The final prayer is thanksgiving. When someone does something for you that is just so beyond what you deserve, what's your reaction? Recently, some friends of ours sent us on a weekend cruise. I don't think I'll ever stop thanking them. Every time I see them, I think, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. This is the kind of overflow that happens when we list our blessings and express our thanksgiving to God. And what happens is that you begin to feel how good God is and you, you experience an emotional connection with him, which in a, uh, one word is worship. Thanksgiving moves you into worship with God. Thank you for another day of life. I know that seems pretty generic, but some people woke up today and couldn't say that prayer. Thank you for another day of life. And sometimes it's people. Like Paul says to the church in Philippi, every time I think of you, I thank my God. Wouldn't it be nice to know that every time someone thinks of you, they thank God for you? We can do that for people when we pray. So we have requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving, but why? What's the goal of praying in these ways? Personally, I found two in this text. The first one was that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Now that sounds a little like, what? What does that even mean? Well, the first goal, the point is the first goal is for the ones doing the praying. Peace, godliness, holiness. If you remember uh, the benefits that I mentioned, 
I think you'll see what I'm saying here. They were recognizing God's power and sufficiency in your life, having an open dialogue with the Lord that affects how you behave, finding joy in being a part of the work God is doing, and experiencing an emotional connection with God. These may be the kinds of things Paul means, the spiritual benefits that come to our hearts and our minds as we pray. And if this is true, if this is what comes to people who pray, would you agree that we would be living at peace, excelling in godliness and in holiness? We're not bitter. We're not empty. We're not angry. We're at peace. So I don't think Paul is saying that as Christians, we need to live quiet lives. I think he's saying you can live your lives centered in the will of God through prayer, no matter who he has you praying for. This is good and pleases God our savior. Well, why is that? Goal number two, because God wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. This is the ultimate goal. That's the why. He wants everyone because he loves everyone and he has the plan through Jesus to win them over. The crazy part is he wants you and he wants me in on the plan. First, he wants you prayed in and then he wants you praying out. Well, why? Why prayer? Prayer is kind of like the secret agent work we get to do for God. It's part of the invest piece when we say invest and invite. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't talk to people about our faith. I think we should. But remember, we're not big enough. We can't get to everybody. But what we are big enough to do is to pray big prayers up that expect God to work in the details. Those of you who pray this way, you know it works. And that's why you're still doing it. It's how you lead yourself. It's how you lead your family. It's how you lead the people you lead. And it's how you lead the people you follow. You know that God is doing something for someone when you pray. Prayer is a spiritual leadership skill that we're all supposed to learn. But my hunch is that we each fall into one of four categories when it comes to prayer. I'm gonna read them and see if you identify with one of these. I'm a leader. I understand that the big story of God and humanity is a love story that not one would be lost and all would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ through faith. And for that to happen, spiritual leadership is required in every home, every business, every street corner. That's the plan as I understand it. And the plan makes sense to me. If that's you, you're like a Timothy's mom and grandma praying big prayers for blessing for those people around you. And can I ask you to please don't stop praying those prayers. Heaven is listening to your prayers, even if it seems like we are not. For the love of God, keep praying. Maybe this is you. I'd like to be a leader. And I think maybe I could be, if God would just show me what that looks like. So maybe someday, when I get my act together. You're like a Timothy and you could use some encouragement from a Paul. So pray for God to send you a mentor and pray that when you open the Bible, God fills you with faith and confidence. You are a child of the most high God. And then pray for God to send you a spiritual son or a spiritual daughter, because chances are they're already in your world. For the love of God, look around. Who's looking up to you? 
How about this one? I don't think of myself as a spiritual leader, and I'm okay with that. It's a lot of pressure and responsibility. It kind of cramps my style, forces me to do and be what I don't really want to do and be. I'm good with God. That's why I check in with him on Sundays, but I'm not really interested in leading anybody. May I invite you to pray for the realization that you're already leading, even if it's just your own life, but I don't think it's your own life. My boys see how I treat my husband, whether I remember that I'm affecting them or not. The truth is we're all having influence right where we are. We are making a difference. And so maybe your invitation today is to really reflect and think about the effects your leadership is having on yourself, on your family, on your work, on your health, on your finances. Are you satisfied with where you are? Maybe your prayer could be to invite God to show you just one small step to take and that that step would excite you to be different in your influence. It might blow your mind for the love of God. It might blow your mind. Last one. I'm not a spiritual leader and I don't think anyone else is either. And I don't really want them to try to be. To pray to God means that I accept his leadership in my life and I'm just not there yet. In fact, I'm not so sure I like what I see coming out of Christians these days. If that's you, as a Christian, I wanna also say, I'm not so sure I like what's coming out of Christians all the time these days. It's like, for the love of God, we in the church can do better to represent the love of God. And maybe you have been hurt, and I'm sorry. Maybe a Christian has misrepresented God's love to you, and I'm really sorry. But could I invite you to pray above the people? Go straight to God and ask him to show you his love, that it's real, and that he created you for the love of God. He created you. He thought it was worth it to put you on the planet. And if that's uncomfortable for you to pray that you would experience God's love, maybe I could invite you to ask God to help you love the people in your life a little better. Though I'll, I'll give you a word of warning, you may discover what former atheist C.S. Lewis discovered about prayer. I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. It doesn't change God, it changes me. God is doing something for someone when you pray, even if that someone is you. God is doing something for someone when you pray for your family, when you pray for your enemies. God is doing something when you pray for everyone because he wants everyone. And what he wants is for them to let him love them. And he uses our prayers as a part of making that happen. And I know that takes time sometimes, but don't give up. Jesus told a story in Luke 18 that we should pray and never give up. And Jesus also said that if there were one thing that we were to pay attention to in this life is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Prayer is an act that honors God and values people. And that is the greatest 
commandment. So don't give up. Sometimes it's not so much what we say to people about God that makes a difference, but what we say to God about people that changes things. And I'm counting on it. I'm counting on it as Caleb and I try to lead three young men into adulthood. I have to believe that God is gonna be doing something when all I know to do is pray. I know you have situations like that in your life too, where all you know to do, or maybe you don't even know to do it yet, is pray. God is at work. He loves those people more than you do. He loves you more than you do. So pray, do it, do it. In fact, we're gonna pray together now, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for teaching us that we should pray on earth as it is in heaven. I pray for a world where everyone knows how deeply loved they are. And I imagine the kind of relationships we would experience as a people fully known and fully loved by you by the way we treat one another. This is what we pray for. We pray against insecurity, against defensiveness, against blaming, against powering up. Instead, God, we pray for confidence in your love confidence so that we find freedom to love each other with the same love. A John 3.16 kind of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And God, I am praying for someone in the sound of my voice right now who's leaning into that and thinking, I get it, I get it. I'm created on purpose from the love of God. And if that's you leaning into that for the first time, I have a prayer that I'd like to lead you in. It goes something like this. Lord Jesus, I understand that I am a sinner and that the payment for my sin is death. But I also understand that it was your death that took care of that at the cross. And I believe in you as my savior and I trust you with my life. It's that simple. He does what you cannot do. And as our heads are bowed, if that's you leaning into that prayer today, I would love the honor to pray one of those big prayers up for you and ask for God's blessing. You can just slip your hand up quickly at Kendall. There are pastors Looking for you online, there's an orange banner. Thank you. Amen. God bless you. God be with you. God be near to you on this journey. Bring others around you. Lord Jesus, I'm praying that everyone, everyone is sensing your love right now praying a big prayer up to you and trusting that you're making sure that that blessing, that emotional connection piece is coming where it needs to come. It's being sent out right now. 
And God, I want all of us to tag up in your presence now with the cross. Greater love has no man than this that he laid down his life for his friends. Thank you, Jesus, for laying down your life. No greater love. That's the love of God. That's your love. And that's why we pray for your kingdom to come and for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.